This was a beautiful song. Uh, the, his eyes on a sparrow, speaking about us. You know, if he takes care of the little one, he will take care of us. That's a beautiful promise. And uh, let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you <coughs> for this for this special time. We keep these times highly in honor because uh, we are opening your scriptures and we want to see you. We, we don't want to be filled with religion and religious pride, but we want to come to your presence humbly, Lord, humbly, and just receive from what you have for us today. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so oh, today, if you would turn with me into the uh, Bible, as usually. <laughs> this is good, as long as, as the Bible is here, as, as the center point, as long as, as the Bible has authority over us. That's, that's important, you know, that's His Word. Uh, that's why we are coming to His Word with this... Uh, Honor. <clears throat> uh, today, today is uh, actually the International Day of Holocaust. I'll just mention it. Uh, people celebrate it all over the world, and and this is very important uh, to understand, like the meaning of it, uh, the reason why the Holocaust happened. Basically, uh, we can see. One of these mentions already in Exodus, there's a picture of the beginnings of this, of this idea and the spirit behind. And here we have a, here we have a Exodus chapter 1, verse 16. Uh, here is a pharaoh. It's a new pharaoh. He's, he's, he's coming after Joseph living in Exodus. So Joseph has multiplied, there is a nation already in Egypt, and Pharaoh says in verse 16, he gives this order and he says, If it be a son, speaking about these Hebrew women when they are giving birth, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. If it be a daughter, then she shall live. So here uh, there is the spirit against the uh, progression and multiplication of, of, the, of the Jewish nation. Uh, Pharaoh did this and we know <coughs> from history they were probably throwing these little babies to the crocodiles, to the river Nile. Uh, so uh, by killing all, all the male uh, the Pharaoh and the spirit behind was trying to stop this nation uh, for the future. Uh, basically trying to annihilate them uh, from, from, from the plan of God. Uh, we see something similar in the book of Esther. Uh, uh, you know that uh, there is a Haman who makes a plot against, this, uh, uh, against these Hebrews and he makes these tricks with the king and basically uh, the king condemns all the Jews 
in his in his kingdom in the Persia. And then Esther comes to king, and through the help of uh, Uncle Mordecai, she makes uh, approach to king, and they have a right to defend themselves. So here's another attempt, which was trying to uh, annihilate uh, the, the, the Hebrews, the Jews, uh, from the plan of God. Uh, these attempts are were happening in the past many times. Uh, another one is uh, in Matthew 2, verse 18, uh, speaking about the birth of Jesus. Because uh, all this idea about Jews is connected to the coming Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ, and then to the promise of God about the kingdom for the Jews on the earth. So Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 18. Here is a, uh, in Rama, was, was, was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. This is an Old Testament quotation and speaking to the reference when Herodes has sent the soldiers to kill all the little babies two years and younger in this village, in this region of Rama, uh, uh, because he wanted to get rid of this newborn king. Uh, you can make a reference to the, uh, uh, to the Bozic. It was recently. That was exactly the time when Jesus was born. And, and uh, it happens basically uh, either in this period or within the period of two years. Uh, attempt to uh, stop the coming of Messiah because God promised salvation, but the spirits behind, the evil spirits behind these movements are trying to stop it. Uh, nowadays, when there is uh, Jesus already crucified, buried and risen and seated above in heavens, uh, they are not trying to uh, stop the coming of Messiah because it passed already. But what they do, they, uh, they fight against this promise of God for the Israel on the earth. That's why there was a modern holocaust. Uh, we see uh, Hitler during the World War II trying to wipe out uh, the Jews. Uh, Jews were being blamed for everything, for every disaster and everything. Uh, so this evil spirit is there just that we would understand where is it coming from. Uh, this is not normal uh, to try to get rid of any uh, ethnic group uh, and especially these evil attempts against the Jews. Uh, you see this in modern times. Uh, uh, I think this Iranian uh, uh, premier uh, uh, Ahmadinejad uh, he was speaking many times about wiping out the Israel from the map of the world. Uh, you see these uh, fights of Palestine against the Israel trying to not just gain the, the land, but also get rid of the Israel by itself, the Jews, uh, also claiming wiping them out of the earth, of the planet. So you see these spirits are still working, they are in existence. 
uh, sadly, this spirit is many times creeping into uh, churches which do not really follow the word of God. And that's why you have this uh, wrong doctrine that the church has taken over uh, the promises for Israel. This happened uh, uh, in the past when Israel wasn't existing. After the dispersion, uh, after the uh, uh, Roman invasion, uh, Wait a when, I didn't understand when uh, the church was has taken over these. Yes, uh, I'll explain it. Uh, so there are some churches and church movements which say that because Israel have crucified Jesus, they have killed the Messiah, they are cursed, and we can see this little bit. In the past, when in uh, 70 AD, the Romans came and destroyed the temple, they destroyed the Jews, Jews were running abroad, and there was like no Israel. It disappeared from the map of the world. So basically, uh, uh, you don't have a, as Israel as, as a state in existence, and you have just uh, people groups living, uh, some in Russia, some in America, some, some in Europe, and, and just a little bit in hiding, people who are like running away from their country. Then, uh, in, uh, uh, after World War II, 1940, I think, seven, uh, Israel happened overnight in one day. So all the Jews came back and they established the state Israel. So during, between this period, not, that Israel was not on the face of the earth, you could not see it in the maps, like nowhere. Uh, these uh, wrong uh, theologies developed and people were reading that God has promised the land to Israel. But when Israel doesn't exist, what will you do with your theology? That's very difficult now. How can you explain that God made promise to somebody who doesn't exist? Okay? Because they could not believe that the nation Israel will come to existence overnight in 1947. That's why they started to explain it and they used allegory, Augustine, St. Augustine, and they started to say these words are allegorical, not literal. It doesn't mean real uh, heritage of the kingdom on earth. So, how do we make solution of this problem in the Bible? We believe we are the new spiritual Israel. And they came to conclusion that the church takes over the promises of Israel. Problem is, when Israel came to existence in 1947, uh, 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 they should get rid of this wrong theology. They should say, oh, now we see that uh, in Romans 11, Israel has not been cast off forever, and the promises are still true. Now we see it with our very eyes. But instead, they didn't want to make a claim we were wrong in our theology, which is very important for anybody who studies something. And if you realize I was wrong, just like come before God and admit it. It's like no big deal, you know, it can happen. But they didn't do it and they still keep this theology that uh, Israel is cursed, will never have the earthly kingdom, and the church takes over. We see this in a Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it's an official statement of the Orthodox Church also, uh, and many, uh, many other people groups. Uh, and again, as I say, what is behind? Behind is the spirit. 
you know, this spirit, this uh, anti-Israel spirit. Uh, so we just this is just this is just basically uh, what's what's going on. Uh, we know that God has a plan for Israel. They are back in their place, and uh, we will see it uh, yet in the future. Uh, the dealings uh, with Israel. <coughs> so the, this is this is just uh, just to remind us uh, that there are different different spirits. They do not change. They are working, and uh, they are like leading people. Uh, even as we mentioned, even in the churches, uh, we have to be as a church or even as individuals. We have to be spiritual. It means we have to be in line with God and with the Scriptures. Uh, God is faithful, and we will we will speak about this. This is what I. This is what. I want to speak basically about today. Okay, uh, let's turn into the First Corinthians. This faithfulness we see, as as we said, on Israel. Okay, God made a promise to Israel. It still continues His promise, and throughout the history, if somebody studies the history of Israel, the the, the Hebrews how it all became uh, the Abraham uh, who was called out of the uh, Chaldeans from the nation which were like devil worshippers basically. He is the father of our faith. Uh, then you see the progression of Israel, the development, the ups and downs, how they betrayed God many times. Uh, you see their kings, their judges and everything until the day of Jesus and modern history of Israel. Even if we study the Seven Day War and you can read in the newspapers how generals of those days uh, were giving testimonies of God's miracles during this, this war. Because during, during this like Seven Day War Israel I think like doubled or tripled their territory. Because they got attacked by Egypt and I think like some some other nations around. I don't know if Syria was there. I, I cannot like recall it now, but this is like really interesting to study the history of Israel. And uh, many people are like in awe by studying the history of Israel and the Jewish nation. And really, uh, when you when you uh, simplify all this, you see the faithfulness of God to this nation. That's like unbelievable. What they all went through, and yet God is faithful. And look on the map today. There's Israel. And even, this will not be politically correct, even the United States are moving their embassy to Jerusalem. You know. So, I'm just saying this, it's still on the map, and it's a very important place. Uh, God is faithful. <clears throat> and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 now we will read just few verses and then I will I will give explanation Sp Paul speaking Paul called to be apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother he is writing unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called saints he spoke about this many times 
he's speaking to the group of saints, to the group of believers, to the church. And with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he's saying and making expansion, he says, these are not saints only in this Corinth, but all who are calling on the name of Jesus, all believers, either here or there. Doesn't matter if you are in Corinth, this is not just that people in Corinth were saints, like every believer, because we have been sanctified, set apart, hagios, we belong to God. And he says, grace unto you and peace from God our Father, from Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always for you, for the grace of God which was given to you, that in everything uh, God is giving you more, you are, you are being developed and enriched in all utterance, speech, and in all knowledge. So they are growing. And he says, and even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, he is referring and he says, the testimony of Christ was confirmed. You have received the gospel. This is, you are the confirmation. The gospel was preached and you, you were saved. You became believers and you have these, these uh, uh, gifts. You are like uh, enriched. And then it says, verse 7, So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, referring to the to the gifts of God, he's saying in your church you are not lacking anything. You are like gifted. God is here with you. Uh, you are waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and verse eight, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is amazing, like if you read like a long context and now you see he's speaking to the church, to the saints who have been chosen, the people who have received the gospel, who have been enriched by the Holy Spirit, which is in their life, and they are waiting for the coming of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says them in verse 8, he will confirm you unto the end. He is keeping you. You are his, and don't worry, he will hold you until the end. And he's explaining it, that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why doesn't he say, and if you don't fail, you will be blameless? Well, because it's not about our sin anymore, but about his sacrifice. Jesus paid for all our sins at the cross John 19:30 now we have to understand that we confess our sins 1 John 1 9 we confess our sins to renew the fellowship but we never lose the sonship once we become sons and daughters of God we are part of the family and now we don't want to sin we don't want to fail we don't want to betray because we want to have good fellowship with our God. We want, to, we want to be blessed by His presence and by us recognizing His presence in our life, not turning our back on it. Some people do not understand this principle and they say, well, there has to be something about this sin and following God. There is, but it's called 
fellowship, not losing salvation. Because he says it here, he will confirm you until the end and you will be blameless in the day of the Lord. Because you became believers. When you are standing before God one day, you will be blameless. We have a, we have a heavenly wedding coming soon. And we will be standing before the Lord. We will be dressed in white. Blameless. Does it mean that the bride is blameless? You know, there are some women which say, I'm getting married and I cannot have a white dress because I'm not pure. So I will have a I don't know, cocktail color, how they call it, pink color, green color, frog color, whatever. No, the principle is, it's not who we are, it's how God sees us, how he has decided. You know, we have a wedding coming soon. And the bride will be complete and the most beautiful, blameless, without a spot in his eyes. That's amazing. That's amazing. How God made this earthly picture of a wedding, of this heavenly reality. It's not about losing salvation. It's about intense fellowship we are coming to God dressed in white because he gave us his righteousness he gave over the, the the hand of protection do we deserve it no are we pure and clean no in our actions in our motives not always but God decided here is my righteousness and this is how I see you and he says, verse 9, And God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. This is amazing. God is faithful. Because he says it here at the end. Because many questions may arise. and may say, how I can be blameless in the day of the Lord? Because God is faithful. Don't worry. He cannot deny himself. There is this uh, beautiful verse in sequence of verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we actually spoke about it uh, recently. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11. This is a faithful saying. 2 Timothy 2.11 This is a faithful saying. What does it mean, faithful saying? It's a true. It's a faithful, you can stand on it. And it says, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. What does it mean? Are we dead? No, we are alive. How can we be dead with Christ? At the cross. It's, it's called... Uh, co-crucifixion because we recognize that this is our place that he really died for me I am supposed to be there and I recognize it is my place co-crucifixion co-burial and then co-resurrection that's this point we shall also live with him 
If we die with him, we will live with him. If we give our life to him and die, and say, I'm supposed to die, I know the cross is my place, but thank you for paying for me. We die with him, we are buried, and we are risen to new resurrected life. It's one time event. And then he says, he continues, and if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. What does it mean? Like, you will suffer, uh, what does it mean, the suffering? Well, you are making a lunch and you burn your hand. Oh, I suffer, I will reign with Jesus. You see, it doesn't make sense. No, if we suffer in connection with the, with the testimony about him, if, if you say, I'm a new person, I'm a Christian, and you go through some suffering, you know what? God is faithful, and he knows and he sees it. And he will give us rain either here on earth or later. And then it says here, and if we deny him, he'll also deny us. Okay. Uh, we are learning many things. We cannot cut this and just quote half of the sentence. Well, you see, it says, if you deny him, he will deny you. No, it doesn't say in my Bible. It says, if we suffer, we will reign. If we deny, deny, he will deny. You see, that's one sentence, that's one verse. It says, if we suffer, if we are faithful in our testimony, and we suffer for his name, he will promote us. But if we will deny him in our testimony, then he will deny us. Like, what can he do? You know, he cannot stand behind us if we do not have this testimony. It's a, so simple, you know. People are cutting out just half of the verse and saying, like, you see, he will deny you before the Father. Yeah. So, we know that he's speaking about testimony. And verse 13, because it continues in the same uh, speech, same thought line. And if we believe not, <gasps> that's the point. If you lose your faith. Yeah. If you lose your faith, what will happen? Don't, don't read it, don't, don't read it. What will happen? Well, you know, he, if you believe not, if you lose your faith, yet he abides faithful. He abides. Yeah, he stays faithful. It means he will not stop and be faithful now. He is still faithful. He will be faithful. He will continue to be faithful. Be he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself his nature. This is amazing. Does it regard to some moments of life? Yeah. General? Yeah, moments of life or, or general in your life. It's like, it's like saying, father is coming to a son and says, let's go, I'll teach you on a bicycle. And you say, yeah, yeah, let's do it, daddy. You go, you fall the first time and you want to give up. You lose your faith. Ah, it hurts. I will never learn it, Daddy. I don't want to ever do it again. You know, and it's your fault anyway because you let me down. And, <laughs> and you know what will, what will the father do? He remains faithful. He says, no, come on. Just get up. Get on the bike. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Even when we lose our faith, he is faithful. 
because he cannot deny himself. You know this denying himself, it's, uh, it's speaking about the inner character. He just can't do it otherwise. It's like sometimes you may be on the edge of decision and you want to do something and you say, I, I just can't, I just can't. I, I just can't do it. It's, it's not in me. I, 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 cannot, I cannot steal these two billion dollars. I just cannot. It's easy, but I cannot do it. It's not part of me. You know, it's amazing. God just cannot do it. He cannot deny himself. His, his inner character is such that he will remain faithful even when we are not. Can you believe it? You know what? This message speaks to me about this beautiful character of God. And now I want to run to him. If somebody would tell me, if you lose your faith, you go to hell. Then I would say, well, go to hell with your message. Because what can I do? Maybe I will lose faith tomorrow or 20 years later. I tried so hard all my life and then I will get this punishment for one week moment. Thank you. What the, what the, what the hope, what the good gospel. Is it a good news? No, it's a bad news. It's a very bad news. Like if you lose it, you are done. It's a very bad news. No, the good news is that we are already sinners and lost. But he came and died for us. And when we die with him, we live with him. And he cannot deny himself. This is the uh, assurance of our faith. There is this song, uh, Blessed Assurance. Maybe we could find it one day. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Yeah, we... Yeah, maybe we have it, yeah. Maybe we, we sang this once, I, I believe, yeah. So this is beautiful. He is our blessed assurance. We are sure, not in us, but in Him. And basically, all this talk about not being sure about salvation, it means you look at yourself so much, instead of trusting His Word. Well, either He says it, or you believe your own words, your own conclusions, and your own works which goes against the salvations, Ephesians 2.8. Uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you this, this amazing uh, story. You remember uh, David Livingstone, who was here. Have you ever heard about him, David Livingstone? He was a... Uh, who was he? He was a missionary and a yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like biologist. He, he studied like animals, uh, plants. Uh, he made the maps. He was sent to spy out Africa uh, on the rivers and make, uh, find the trails into inner parts of Africa. But he was a missionary, basically, in his life. He's, he's one of the best known missionaries. I mean, if you ask people who was like, I don't know, uh, this missionary, maybe they don't know, but if you say David Livingstone, people know. Some, pe some, some people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people know, basically. He's like big, big guy. Okay. Great missionary. Uh, he lived like in 18-something, the other half of the 19th century. And uh, his story is like really like 
really like shocking. Uh, in his 32 years in Africa, do you know how many converts he had? Converts. Converts. How many people became true believers through his work in Africa? I think many of them, but not to, to that age. Yeah, you are saying it right. Uh, later on, many, but in his life, in his 32 years in Africa, he had only one convert. Yeah. Imagine you are a missionary, and you go to Africa, and you want to save the continent, and you preach and teach and, and do this and that, and you have only one convert. That's like amazing. Now listen, this convert, it was a chief of one village. His, his name was Sechele. I know how to say, Sechele, Sechele, something like this. You can Google it out. And this chief uh, was a chief of a village which was divided into two halves because there was, I think, his uncle ruling the other half of the village. And they had the problems. So Livingston came and he, and he said to the Sechele, you know, this is not right. You have to make a peace with your uncle. You really like have to ask for forgiveness and make it nice. So the Sashala said, okay, I have a good idea. You brought like guns and gunpowder, which we don't have here. We are like learning it. Like to have a gunpowder, it's, it's, a, it's a big power for chief of the village. If you have a gunpowder. Gunpowder, explosives. So he said, I will send it to my uncle as a gift. So he sent him this gunpowder as a gift. But his uncle, he took a fire and wanted to purify the gift because he was into this witchcraft. So he got blown up by it and he died. So Livingstone is there. He wants to make like peace between these two tribes in, in one village. And the other guy, because of his attempt, gets blown up, you know. So now this Sechele like takes over the whole village because they lose the chief. So he becomes the chief. He is, uh, he is into this like voodoo and worship and everything. I don't know if it was voodoo exactly, but witchcraft. Voodoo is uh, basically coming from Benin, from Africa. Uh, don't think it's coming from uh, South America, as people say. It's a big thing there but it has origins in Benin. Uh, if you go to Eurocon, I can introduce you to a young man who was a missionary in Benin with his wife. Uh, it's Paul Lipset and his wife uh, Latisha. Uh, he can tell you about voodoo in Benin and its origins. Uh, so this uh, man was still in witchcraft. He was calling rain uh, to get the crop to grow. He had like uh, polygamy, he had like five wives and, and lived his life. But Livingstone invested in him and he got saved. So this man became a believer. So he started to study and he was uh, writing a uh, uh, Bible into their language. This, this tribe is called Bagvena tribe in Botswana, in today's Botswana. So he, he helped with the with the help of Livingston. And Livingston told him, like, you have to get rid of your four wives. This is not like biblical. So he obeyed, you know, and everything. 
And then after some time, one of his wives, which he gave away, came that she is pregnant with him. So Livingston find out that he didn't really get rid of his wives and he was like living this double life. So Livingston got really discouraged. He has only one convert. Uh, he blows up his uncle with this like gunpowder. He, he says he is like real believer. He got baptized in the river, but still he's calling rain through the witchcraft. He lives with his multiple wives. He's not like really like having results. So Livingston just like gave up and went like further to Africa and started to make maps and everything. The point is that some years later, this man was really like working with this Bible and with what Livingston gave him. And he started to share Christ with people in his village. And basically the whole village got saved. It had, I don't know how many like thousand people. Then they started to plant churches and they started to go to other tribes. So they started to evangelize the other tribes, which Livingstone didn't even know. So he thought he had like one convert, which was not like really the best one, you know. Imagine you are a missionary and you want to like show the man you have. So you bring him between to like to your friends and you say, hey, this is a great man. He became a believer in Christ. Yeah, he's calling rain sometimes with the with witchcraft and he lives with the multiple wives and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this is not something to brag about. But the point is, God is faithful. Even this man, you know, it was burning in his heart. And God used him. And then uh, they made the missions to other tribes, they evangelized, and we can see that God is faithful. You know, like people look at, at uh, faithfulness differently today, but we trust God. In 1 Corinthians, and I'll read it again, He is able, uh, he is able to, to make it happen till the end. To confirm it. Verse 8, 1 Corinthians 1 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful. And this is what I want us to remember today. Look at the nation of Israel. God is faithful. Ups and downs, they had huge kingdoms, then they were like taken to captivity because of their unbelief. That's the point. You can be blessed or taken to captivity, you can have a rich fellowship with God or be in a spiritual prison based on your fellowship with Him. But still in all this, God remains faithful. We see this with uh, Livingston, we see this with, with uh, other people. Uh, this is really, uh, really beautiful. Richard Wumbrandt, uh, he is a, a man from Romania, uh, he was a priest and he got into prison because of his faith. I don't know how many years, he, he got life sentence and then he got out later on. 
So he was there like for, for quite time. And he was in prison for his faith. So now you could say, well, God is not faithful. Well, I had a testimony for him and now I'm in a prison. When you read his books, uh, there are things, some things, not everything we agree with because of theology, but basically he was an amazing great of man. And one of the things he said, listen to this, in communist prison, when he was locked there with other friends, in communist prison, the idea of Christian mission to communist was born. So they realized they are in prison for life. And they said, hey, this is our mission. We have a mission to communists. Somebody goes to Africa, somebody goes to, I don't know, Zimbabwe, Timbuktu, or other parts of the world, somebody goes to communist prison. And then he says, in being tortured by them, because they were getting like giving, receiving hard times from these communists, in being tortured by them, we learned to love them. Wow. Because this is like unconditional love. When somebody hates you and gives you torture, how can you love him? And you know, God is faithful. He touched and changed their hearts right there in that prison. And they started to love their enemy. And they were sharing Christ to these communist soldiers or policemen in a prison. That's amazing. Faithfulness of God. You know, they were there on a mission. And this is not our evaluation of his life. No, he says it by himself. This was our mission. The idea of a mission work to communist prisoners, or not prisoners, the, the leaders of the prison was born. Uh, Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for believer because Christ was condemned already. Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Hebrews 13.5 I will never leave you nor forsake you. I just want us to remember that God is faithful. God is faithful. And uh, your life, my life, like our call from God is so valuable. Maybe, maybe may be in a place like Wundbrand in a prison and we say, what I can do? I want you to be a missionary. Where is my dream with God? There, God is faithful. Let's never circumstances dictate our thinking, our evaluation of the situation. God does it and God is faithful. Joseph was in prison. Remember? He was betrayed by the brothers, by the very own family. And then God takes him up and promotes him and makes him the second after Pharaoh in, in uh, Egypt. God is 
faithful. They wanted to kill little baby Jesus in Rama and they murdered the babies. The blood was there. Yet God is faithful. Jesus escaped. And he finished the perfect salvation for us. God is faithful. Livingstone in 32 years had one convert, which was wakey-wacky, you know. He wasn't the ideal and yet, so many people and other tribes got saved and became believers. And I think if, if you travel today to these places, they have this like old church there from the stones. And they have like uh, stones as the seats, so you can sit, you know, so you can count. It's like old church, it's not active anymore, but it's a history. And if you count the stones, it's a church for, for, for like 1,000 people. So we see that God is faithful. Let's remember this. In our working situation, in the fears from future, uh, in the voices from past, no. God is faithful. This is amazing. We hold on to his voice. Uh, we are getting closer to him. We want to be intense in our fellowship with him. God is faithful. He will do it. What he has begun, he will accomplish till the end. He is not giving up. Even if we do, he doesn't give up. If we lose our faith, he is faithful. He cannot. You are amazing. God bless you. Vidimo se ponovu sledeći put. Amen.